You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up-to-date ebooks, infographics, and other resources, as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. Today we welcome back Daniel Binkholder to talk about unlocking the potential of your emerging leaders. Daniel, at this point you might as well be an honorary host of the podcast. Welcome back. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Uh, Just so our listeners get a refresher on who you are, Daniel. Daniel is a client success consultant here at Biz Library. His role is to strategically consult on the training program for individual clients to maximize training ROI. This includes sharing best practices from other clients, providing resources to, mar- to market strategically to employees and leadership, and considering approaches to rolling out new programs. Ultimately, helping clients align training goals to organizational needs and impact business outcomes. Before working at Biz Library, Daniel worked in higher education for seven years, where he gained valuable insight on the application of learning science and the impact of technology on learning and development. He holds a BA and an MA in English Literature from the University of Central Missouri. Uh, Daniel, today's topic is unlocking the potential of emerging leaders. Now, before we can unlock the potential of emerging leaders, you really have to know who our emerging leaders are. What are some best practices in identifying emerging leaders? Do we have a set of standards that we want people to meet? Do we sort of go more loosely than that? I mean, how does that work, in in your opinion? Sure. Yeah, that's not a loaded question at all, right? (laughs) Um, Well, unfortunately, like everything else in a lot of the training and uh, learning and development atmosphere, uh, it really does depend on what your organizational needs are and where your gaps are. So uh, like most organizational um, development or other human capital management goals, you really do need to start with what are, you know, what are the needs of the organization and where are the biggest gaps that you need to address both in your um, your skill gaps as well as your um, you know, your population gaps. Um, it's a pretty ubiquitous issue that managers are often promoted from employees that are you know, good employees, but not necessarily uh, didn't have very many strong leadership traits. And so um, because of that, a lot of times organizations do have a gap of you know, employees who or managers who don't know how to coach and uh, don't know how to give feedback or don't provide very informative performance review um, outcome uh, tracking to uh, to ensure that employees are improving behavior. So first and foremost, basically just figure out um, what are the most important things to your organization in general. So then after that, you know what you're looking for. Uh, I had one client that, now this is a skill that everybody wishes they were better at, but it really is something that they're honing in on. Um, they need managers, employees, everybody to be more comfortable with Microsoft Excel. Like just that program in itself, and it's and it's not a financial firm, uh, but they need people who are better at Excel more. And uh, for a long time, they haven't necessarily been communicating that to the employees. And so, as part of some of their emerging leader training, they're literally just, you know, ensuring that that is that that need is relayed, um, and that they're looking for people who uh, who are interested in learning about that. So start with those needs, um, and then after that, um, it does depend, but. I think the most important aspect of really any potential leader and high, high potential employee is their willingness to grow um, and their desire to become a better manager. Because after all, even if somebody uh, doesn't necessarily start 
as having good leadership skills, if they have a growth mindset and really focus on that heavily, then it's, you know, those people, they may very well end up much better leaders than those who uh, had natural leadership talents and just took it for granted. For sure. And so you touched on something important, and that's that in a lot of organizations, if you're good at your job, you become promoted. Um, and it's not always the case that people necessarily want to be managers or want to hold a leadership position, um, but they feel that they have to in order to progress in their career. So how do you, as an organization, communicate that you know, one, maybe not everybody is an emerging leader, but that you can progress and we're not necessarily looking for just the best frontline worker. We're looking for somebody with those leadership skills. So essentially you're asking um, if somebody's not necessarily interested mm -hmm. in being a manager, but they want to advance in their career and they're not sure how else to do it, mm -hmm. how do you address, you know, high potentials in that regard? Is that... Is that kind of yes. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, fortunately, um, the atmosphere of learning of um, of promotion, I, you know, the the career ladder idea is definitely fading a little bit. There's definitely a lot more of um, acceptance that lateral moves across your organization are perceived as a good thing. We I work with clients who are tracking promotions as a way of determining if their leadership programs and succession planning is being effective and they consider in that number lateral moves. So um, again, kind of that, that purposeful uh, desire to grow is more important than, I guess, whether the, the direction that you're growing, whether it's a, a lateral or up and down. Um, but at the same time, you know, people who may not be necessarily sure if they want to be a leader, but very, very well may be interested in it and are willing to at least, um, you know, try out the role and, and see what it's all about. Um, those are kind of the people that we have to be more concerned about, the ones that aren't sure but are willing and open to the idea of being a manager. Um, and in those situations, I think the best way we can kind of uh, approach a, an emerging leaders uh, campaign, I guess, is looking at training as a promotion qualifier. Um, there is a, there was a, a, a good video that I had watched. Uh, it was actually a Biz Library video um, that talked about uh, training as a promotion qualifier, but it used the metaphor of a fire, uh, a fire um, captain. So basically, the idea being that okay, nobody is going to say that we should throw a fire captain, you know, into their first fire and say, okay, so you know, you're a fire captain now. So we're going to need you to lead this team and fight this fire, and then when you do that for a few months, then we'll come back and give you some training on how to do that. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, that would be an absurd thing to even suggest, and you know, that's obviously extremely dangerous. Um, and so the same rationale applies to any kind of manager training. Obviously, you need to find out if the person, you, you can't know, if, a person cannot know if they want to be a manager unless they start experiencing some activities that a manager would do. So, you know, uh, training as a promotion qualifier means, you know, focusing on training events like learning about how to be a, a coach, a better coach, and, um, you know, a variety of skills associated with that but then also engaging in, you know, maybe having a mentor program or talking with other managers and shadowing them. Uh, basically, those kind of employees where, you know, they want to grow, but they're not entirely sure, like, what entails with being a manager, that's the, the best reason to have an emerging leaders program, in my opinion. Uh, I want to sort of flip the script on you a little bit and maybe ask a okay. question that I doubt you were anticipating. Um, 
some people graduate that Emerging Leaders Program and they realize management's for me and they become wonderful managers, we hope. <laughs> Others uh, see what it's like to be a manager and decide that that's, that's not something that they're interested in doing. Um, they still have high potential and, and they still have some leadership skills and they've certainly hopefully learned some in that program. Um, what do we do with those employees? Do we just send them back to work and, and, and ask them to contribute as they were before or, or um, can we now expect more from them? Yeah, uh, that's actually a really good question. Um, I would I would argue, regardless of what the outcome is, is that even if somebody decides they don't want to be a manager, I'm certain that, assuming that, of course, they're you know attempting to learn, you know, one way or the other, I'm certain that they have learned some skills that will improve their ability to do their job. You know, if nothing else, um, you know, peer to peer coaching and peer to peer you know um, support is a very real thing, and so even just those leadership skills alone that they might have learned are applicable in any kind of environment. So, and if nothing else, they'll understand what managers have to go through. So maybe they'll uh, be a little more sympathetic to their managers or be better at managing up. Um, I guarantee you that a manager who is um, getting feedback from an employee would be far more likely to listen to them if they were a part of some kind of emerging leaders program, you know, than if they weren't. So um, regardless, I would argue that they have definitely grown and they're gonna be a much more productive employee regardless. Um, but there, I think um, what might be underlying with your question is that, well, they're going to go back to their job and then, you know, are they going to leave in a few months because they didn't want to be a manager and maybe they're not happy with their role? Um, and that's, I mean, that's a, that's a fair concern to have. I, I think that is something that's a legitimate concern. Um, and that's, but that's where things like individualized development plans and working with their managers on those is really important. Uh, IDPs are treated as something a lot of times that, People don't typically follow through with, which is unfortunate, but that's why those exist. So if that employee, you know, they go back to their job and they're like, ah, I don't want to be a manager, but I'm also not necessarily want to stay where I'm at. Well, then having those conversations with his manager and hopefully some kind of a, you know, learning and development professional or, you know, whoever is handling that, um, that activity within the organization, whether it's HR or whatever, um, hopefully those people can also be made aware of that and they can look for what they might be interested in doing. Because again, they probably learned something about themselves, like you said, Derek, and they will probably have a better idea of what they would be interested in, or at least they know what they're not interested in. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's direction, right? That's, you know something now that you didn't know before. <laughs> exactly, so I'm sure that they will know more about themselves and what they would be interested in. And at least, you know, if they're motivated to improve themselves, they'll at least uh, be, be willing to do more research since they, they uh, factored one thing out. Definitely. So one of the things that we're sort of talking about here is kind of a formalized plan. You've hinted at having a formalized plan. And there are many ways to develop emerging leaders, um, but we do see those actual programs or plans that last six months or a year or however long. So maybe for somebody who's wanting to start something like that, um, what examples do you have from your clients of ways to begin formatting and putting together these cohorts of the emerging leaders? Yeah, that's a good question. Right? Like, where do we, where do we start? Um, well, ultimately, the only way to know, it kind of goes back to what we talked about originally, which is what are the needs of the organization? Because... If you don't know that, then it's going to be really difficult for you to structure an emerging leading leaders program that is going to be supportive. Because a lot of the times, the programs that don't run very long 
probably don't have a lot of support and buy-in. Um, you know, like if uh, one of the, in the webinar that I did recently, Unlocking the Potential of Your Emerging Leaders, you know, uh, um, the, one of the main most important elements is strong executive involvement. So your leaders need to be involved somehow with, the, with like some kind of face-to-face -face element or even a recorded thing where they talk to the person, they relay what are impor what's important, um, why it's important to have you know, leaders and, and so on and so forth. Th th those things have to come from leadership. And so if you don't have that buy-in and support, that's, you're gonna have those really short programs that don't last very long because they, it didn't really have much, it wasn't really given any true value to begin with. So then nobody got value out of, the, out of having completed it. Um, so I think <laughs> determining what's important uh, first and ensuring there's buy-in is obviously important. But, you know, it's honestly the way you would structure an emerging leaders program is the same way you would structure any kind of leadership development training, which is essentially you got to know what are the important skills that either, you know, you want to see more of or that you're not or um, that you want to see more of or, you know, not seeing enough of or that you know that your organization needs to improve on or basically, hey, our leaders are really good. We want to keep leaders that are like that. So we just need to define what makes them good leaders. So um, there's a term I like to use, operationalizing. So we need to operationalize what a good leader is for your organization. And with that knowledge, you can boil it down to you know whatever route you want to take: competencies, supporting behaviors, you know, um, so on and so forth. So once you uh, once you define those elements of what makes a good leader in your organization you have a, a foundation to start structuring that Emerging Leaders program. So out of curiosity, what are some of those behaviors and those core competencies that we want to see? Obviously, it'll change slightly from organization to organization, but certainly there's common traits that all maybe most good leaders share in some ways. So what are some behaviors and um, competencies that we should be keeping our eyes out for? Yeah, I, I definitely have a, a few good ones, but you bring up an interesting point, which is, and I don't, I don't think your question was intended to ask that, but the point that, you know, sure, there are going to be skills that everybody would agree upon are probably good. And, you know, you're never going to talk to somebody and say, oh, do you think we need good leaders? And they'll be like, no, that's a terrible idea. You know, that, <laughs> that's, nobody will ever say that, right? Well, but nobody, but, all, but the problem is that nobody um, is defining, like, what it means for them to be a good leader. So, um Basically, yeah, there's some general skills and traits that I can share with you that w are generally representative of good leaders. But unfortunately, what that actually means, like what the behavior statements or the critical behaviors or indicators of those things taking place are going to be pretty unique for each organization. Um, so definitely some basic ones. Uh, well, the most important one for sure is emotional intelligence. Um, there's uh, I've read a variety of statistics about this, but... Uh, I read something that uh, some research indicates that like people that show um, higher average EQs outperform people um, with higher IQs 70% of the time. So essentially, uh, emotional intelligence is probably one of the best predictors of performance that, that there is. Um, and there's a variety of reasons for that. It's, it indicates self-awareness, it indicates um, willingness to listen, willingness to empathize, and those are some you know, building blocks of being able to improve yourself in any direction. It's like having, um, which is another benefit, uh, a growth mindset. So like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's about good high potential people or people who are willing to grow and understand what that entails and having that continuous growth mindset. So growth, a growth mindset really just means, you know, like I said, that the willingness to grow, um, but 
that is what kind of aligns with emotional intelligence a little bit in that regard. Because that, if you have somebody with that kind of foundational skill, or you know, of course, having a program where you teach that skill, you can they'll be continuous learners and continuous improvers. Um, so um, growth mindset, emotional intelligence, um, definitely uh, the ability to uh, focus on developing relationships, giving feedback, um, and having um, difficult conversations, which is not often, a, a lot of times that overlaps with like performance conversations, um, but I think if you extract the actual behavior you're trying to improve, it's how to have an awkward conversation with an employee that <laughs> maybe isn't performing like they should, but you also, you know, you can't just tell them they're doing a terrible job and, all right, go back to work. Um, you know, you have to try to, you have to navigate that correctly. And so um, that's a, another skill as well. So I want to switch gears a little bit talking about difficult conversations. Um, and one of the pitfalls I have seen with emerging leader programs, and that's the way that the intent of the program is communicated. So you can see two different negative outcomes based on it of, you know, we've seen where maybe somebody's not chosen for the program who does want to be a leader, and how do you handle that conversation around why they weren't chosen? And then on the flip side, those who were chosen who now assume this means oh, I'm the next promotion. And that may not necessarily be the reasoning behind the program or the intent of the program as well. So how would you recommend program managers or learning and development professionals are able to have those conversations with both groups of people so that this isn't having a negative impact when it's supposed to be a very positive thing? And by both groups of people, you mean um, those the, not chosen, and then okay. those who were, yeah. Wow, yeah, that's a loaded question. That's not a loaded question at all. <laughs> um, so let's start with those who weren't chosen, who maybe think now I'm not going to be a manager because I wasn't chosen. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, makes perfect sense. Um, so I mean, you obviously touch on the fact that, and I guess what's implicit with uh, your question is that. You know, different organizations have different types of formalized emerging leaders programs. Some are open to for people to attend and, and, and participate in, and then some of them are you know some kind of selection process or you know requiring letters of recommendation or whatever. So obviously you're referencing the the latter, where it's a more um, you know a exclusive program, I guess we could call it. Um, well, if they're not chosen for it. Well, and, and I guess your original question was about the how this is all communicated. Um, and I think the most important part is that when you're uh, constructing an emerging leaders program is that maybe just literally having an explicit strategic message that you have written down on a piece of paper or you know typed up whatever, um, that you get the various um, leaders to, in your organization to agree that this is what you're going to communicate and this is what it's going to communicate. Um, it is interesting that a lot of clients I work with, they always make sure whenever they're talking about emerging leaders that they say, well, I don't, we don't want people to think that just because they do this that they're going to be a leader, like, like you just said. And I, I'm always, it, and I'm like, well, that, that's true. We do need to communicate that. But I, sometimes I assume that that's taken for granted, right? But it, it's not. It, we, and we should, we should never take those things, uh, those, those assumptions for granted. So if you can get your leaders to agree upon like whatever your messaging is going to be, that's that's the first most important step. So yeah, for sure you want to make sure that if it doesn't mean that you're going to be automatically 
um, involved and, and considered for a new leadership role, that's you absolutely want to make sure that that's outlined and provide some kind of um, formalized documentation that lists that. <laughs> like literally just list that out and make it as explicit as possible because people like having things written out, it makes it easy. So if you do that, then people who don't get accepted into the program, well, it has two benefits. So with the people who don't get accepted into the program, you know, it's not as hard of a blow because that doesn't mean they're not going to be a leader. Um, that means that they're just currently not ready to be potentially considered as a leader. And so that's where the rejection <laughs> uh, communication should be very clear about that. Um, you know, they can, they can, if they relay exactly why, you know, some of the reasons why they weren't considered for this program, then they can go back to their managers or at least just develop themselves in that direction to help address those their, their gaps that they might have. And then they can follow up with that person, see if you know they're willing to be reconsidered. So it's still a growth opportunity, at least. It's just a little bit more self-driven. For those who do accept it and you know go through the program, yeah, as long as there's communication that they have that they've been told this doesn't mean, then I think that resolves that issue. Um, but also having some elements of the program, you know, being being sure to relay that you know this is you know this is just the beginning of your path to being a leader and regardless of if your succession plan or emerging leaders program is uh, secretive some organizations have secretive succession plans they don't want the person to know that they're considered an emerging leader um, but regardless of whether it's uh, explicit or, or uh, secretive um, you do need to at least make sure that the people know who engage in these programs that yeah of course they're not going to be um, automatically considered a leader but they should know what impact it will have exactly um, I have a client who is actually really concerned about some about that issue actually because um, you know a lot of times they employees internal employees haven't been considered for a lot of like manager roles because they lack the skills but they're not given an opportunity or informed about what skills they lack so it's, a, it's kind of a catch-22. So what we're trying to do with their Emerging Leaders program is basically try to um, structure it in such a way that the leadership agrees that those, that them engaging in the leadership training will be at least taken as part of consideration of them being promoted. So you mentioned a very important word in that answer, and that is succession planning. And I wanna talk a little bit about the impact that succession planning or that an emerging leaders program has on succession planning because more and more organizations are becoming focused on succession planning, realizing this is something that we weren't prepared for and we need to be. So what are some other positive outcomes that maybe aren't as obvious like succession planning to having a program like this? A lot of, um, a lot of culture, uh, a lot of culture change that leaders are trying to see is a good play is a good way to utilize an emerging leaders program. Um, you know, hopefully they're also doing an existing manager training program to do the same thing. But uh, by so if there is some really large organizational change that needs to take place, um, incorporating those elements and kind of building in some of those uh, change management, um, uh, I guess the comfort to change management um, can be a good benefit of that. So it basically it helps with culture change. Um, you know, you mentioned succession planning, and, and a part of succession planning is knowledge transfer. Um, and not just transferring specific knowledge, but also transferring, again, that culture and, and purpose and goals and mission. Um, 
so by having a good emerging leaders program, you're you know you're relaying that information about what you're confirming what is important to the organization and relaying information that is valuable to that. Um, as part of an emerging leaders program, there should be, as I said earlier, there should be some portion of it where leaders are involved, like actively involved in some some extent, um, as much as you know, like it's, it's possible. But that could be just like a, like participating as a mentor, and if that's the case, then that's obviously a strong person who can, you know, help transfer knowledge and relay some of that information. Because as people, you know, are retiring, that's going to be um, a more and more important element of. Uh, succession planning and ended up there for an emerging leaders program. But you know, there, there's a lot of other like demonstrated benefits. Um, typically companies who, um, who, have, um, who have strong emerging leaders program, their, their organization is more productive, their employees are happier, um, their customers therefore are happier. Um, and it really is, it, it's pretty much anything that would, that would apply to um, improved employee engagement and um, and uh, agility is also going to apply to that. So um, there's a there's a huge number of benefits, but I think one of my favorite benefits is better organizational IQ. I had uh, I had read about in my research about this. Um, basically, you know, if if we have a better emerging leaders program, it can relay it can basically inform the the population of the company as a whole more and more. It's like a like a mentor program. It benefits the mentor and the mentee for a variety of reasons, including. Um, cross-department communication. So with an emerging leaders program, you get better cross-department and um, cross-level, uh, you know, like a director and a VP and such, cross-level communication, and it can do a really good job of relaying information that maybe is is hidden, not by intent, but just by accident, and but information that would be valuable to their team. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing uh, all of your expertise. Unfortunately, we are getting short on time here. I do have to ask before we let you go here and get back to work. Um, is there anything that we that we missed that you think is really important to know about unlocking high, uh, unlocking the potential of, of emerging leaders at all? Um, I mean, I think we touch on a lot of the big things. I, I really do want to just reemphasize the importance of of having a growth mindset and the, and the importance of a person having that desire and ability to grow. Um, you know, leadership skills are. A lot of times, soft skills are seen as something you have or you don't have. And um, you know, us in the learning and development industry, we know that that's not true. Um, you can build these skills and you can build them well, but you people have to be engaged in the process. And so, um, if those are really the best things to look for with any learner, and if you can support that and incorporate, you know, learning and development initiatives that support the idea of continuous learning and continuous improvement, um, I mean, those are really the basis of of all effective learning methodologies and effective growth for organizations. Companies need to be agile and part of agility is learning agility. So anything you can do to look for that trait and encourage that trait is probably the best thing you could do for your organization. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. We really do appreciate your time. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure. This podcast is brought to you by Biz Library, your online learning partner. For more information, Visit us online at www.bizlibrary.com resources. Every week, we like to spotlight one of the free resources BizLibrary offers to help our listeners master the concepts in our key takeaways. This week, check out our free ebook called Competency-Based Training, a guide to achieving your organization's strategic goals. You can find a link to this ebook in the show notes or on the BizLibrary website on the resources page. 
If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at BizLibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.